Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 167 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, Husker fans and college football fans. And 167, geez, it just seems like we just did 150. <laughs> That's true. That was right before the start of this season. Uh, but we are here today to go over a specific topic. We've already talked about the conference championship games, what happened this past weekend, but we have not yet gotten to the travesty and the controversy of what happened the following Sunday with the college football playoff committee. Uh, so this episode is going to be a bit more explicit than usual as we go on a rant about why this was a terrible result for college football and uh, the unfortunate ramifications that may come from it. Exactly. I mean, it's just really sad uh, what uh, that did, not only in the short term uh, to Florida State, where that team and the players and the institution are literally getting screwed uh, by this process. And it just exposes blatantly, in my uh, view, and in the view of a lot of people across America, I have to absolutely uh, acknowledge that the majority of people that I have read and that I have viewed and listened to since uh, the Sunday selection show uh, 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 agree that this was wrong and that it is an exposure of the bias and influence of ESPN and SEC and that media uh, conference relationship and how they manipulated this to get Alabama into that spot. And the fact that the committee is not accountable is a problem for me. So, yes. So to get us ready for this uh, particularly uh, aggressive episode of college football, it's only appropriate that we stick to tradition and open up some cold beverages. Uh, I've got my Japanese Sapporo here to uh, get me ready. (laughs) All right. And I have myself a Yingling, uh, the oldest brewery continuously running brewery in the United States. uh, And I get to enjoy it when I'm down here in Florida. So, here you go, son. Let's have a beer because we need to be lubed. All right. To Florida State. And to Florida State and cheers to my son. <laughs> All right. You and I were talking, you know, as the day progressed, right? Because as soon as uh, Texas won and then Alabama won, right, it became, okay, well, that tiebreaker between Texas and Alabama, because te- Alabama's one loss early in the year was to Texas, and Texas has only losses to Oklahoma. So, we pretty quickly decided, okay, if it's a it's a you know matchup on who gets in between Texas and Alabama, you have to give it to Texas because they beat Alabama in uh, Alabama, you know, by like ten points. That battle goes to Texas, so it really became that Florida State Louisville ACC championship game. What's going to happen there? Because if Louisville won, then would have been pretty straightforward. Alabama and Texas uh, would have gotten in along with Washington and Michigan, right? Who both we're pretty clearly in, but if FSU won, then the debate would really kick off. And of course that's what happened. And that's what, you know, the college football world was debating all Saturday night, waiting in anticipation for Sunday morning when the committee would announce their results. Uh, And you and I pretty quickly came to the conclusion that FSU uh, should be in because obviously they're an undefeated power five conference champion. And one of those had never been left out of the playoff before not to mention that they had a winning record against the SEC in the two games they played against the SEC. And Alabama had just barely squeaked out a win the previous week against Auburn. You know, now they won it, right? So you have to count it as a win. Right. But, you know, not 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 a pretty moment. You know, this is not one of Nick Saban's best Alabama teams. Uh, so we thought it was pretty clear that FSU deserved it more. Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. And I think that the reaction uh, when the uh, committee made its announcement, reaction both in terms of social media world as well as uh, media beyond the cohort of the love fest and self-aggrandizing ESPN SEC joke that they are, okay, that controls the sport of college football because they, they control so much of the media of this sport um, that they 
got what they wanted. And yet I would say, based on the reactions that I've observed, it is probably a, sorry about this uh, uh, little bit of ambulance. Uh, <laughs> See, even the police are mad. Yeah, even the police are mad, exactly. But um, the bottom line is that I think it's about 70-30. I think 70% of the people think that Florida State got screwed. And now, here's the thing. I'm not going to deny that if you asked me who was going to win between Florida State and and Alabama, you know, on any given Saturday, and I had to put money on it, you know, and it was, you know, no, no, no points. Um, I'm picking Alabama. If they played each other, another way to say it, if they played each other ten times, even with Alabama or uh, Florida State's good quarterback uh, not being injured, I still would have probably said. Alabama would have likely won more than they lost of those 10 matchups, right? Right. So however you match it. But I would have told you that at the beginning of the season. I would have told you that in the middle of the season, and and I would tell you that now. However, we actually play the games for a reason, okay? And if you look at a comparative score, LSU played Florida State, okay, and LSU played Alabama. Florida State beat LSU worse than Alabama did. Alabama was behind at halftime at a, a, a multitude of times throughout the season. They had to come from behind to win a number of games, including the gift from God that they got <laughs> at, the, at the Auburn game. That was ridiculous. You do not win a game where when you are fourth and 31 you, you, at the end of a game. You, you just don't. Okay, that's that's a play that does not happen. Okay, unless you're just flat out dumb luck. Nothing about talent or execution or coaching or any other crap. Okay, that's just stupid luck. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, With that being so near, it's it's amazing that this group that was evaluating this, these 13 people, forgot about what had happened just a week prior. You know, uh, it could maybe understand it if that Alabama-Auburn game had been the second game of the year and they just kind of write that off as, well, that was when Alabama was still figuring things out and they're, they're a very different team now at the end of the year than they were at the beginning of the year. But no, this was the last regular season game of the year and Alabama was given a gift from God, okay? A gift from God is the only way to describe that victory. And if they didn't get that victory, this conversation isn't isn't even being happen happening, and Florida State is is in there. Additionally, Oklahoma, I mean Alabama, was ranked eighth. They were ranked eighth. Yes. No one has ever moved from eighth into that final four. So that 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 that's a quantum leap that had never happened in, ever in the history. So there's all these never happened before in the history of the CFP of the college football playoff era okay never happened before and yet they do it they they elevated this issue of a quarterback being injured from uh, um, uh, something that had always been a, a minor conversation and made it into the most critical thing they they shut off their brains and and stopped looking at the the body of work stopped looking at the comparative scores stopped looking at the shitty performance of Alabama over the course of the season. It doesn't mean Alabama doesn't have a lot of talent, but they were not the best team. Okay. Now, do, are they, do they have the higher ceiling? Yes, absolutely. I will agree with that, but that's not what you're supposed to do. Hell, if that's what we're going to do, why do we even play the games? Why don't we just pick the final four at the beginning of the season? Cause I, I'm here to tell you that I could have told you, I, it, I could have given you eight teams at the beginning of the season before anybody played a, a snap of college football, and it would have included all of the teams we're talking about right now. Right. There, there, I mean, the only one that I would say out of that top eight that I wouldn't have necessarily said, oh, they're, they're, they're clearly going to be in there, is Texas. I would have expected, based on, uh, on Florida State's performance, I would have expected Florida State to be better this year. Maybe they wouldn't have been in there, but they – they overcame things, okay? They have a, a top five defense. And, you know, uh, even the, uh, if you go back in the history of the college football playoff and you look at when 
Ohio State won a national championship with a third-string quarterback. Right. You know, if you look at the actual games, w- when they were building up to that, after they had lost their starter, and they were looking at other players, you know what? They had a great defense. They had a good running game. And the quarterback only threw it like 12 times. Right. You're telling me that when you have a championship-level defense, you can't win with a with a moderate quarterback? That's complete crap. Iowa just won 10 games in a season, and they had the worst offense in the history of college football's modern era. Okay, <laughs> They were breaking records for futility on offense, and they won 10 games and muddied up a game against number one-ranked Michigan. So I've got a, a couple things to comment. Um, and, and obviously I've made it very clear that I am hundred percent pro FSU. Um, but I will say, um, in terms of that LSU comparative thing, uh, Florida state beat LSU 45, 24 while Alabama beat them 42, 28. So, you know, FSU beat them by more, but it was only a little bit more. And I went on the, uh, College Football Playoffs mission statement. You know, I went and looked on their website, right, to find what are their criteria. And they do specifically yep. say comparative outcomes of common opponents without in- incenting margin of victory. So they do say we don't care if you beat them by more per se. And I'm not saying that that should be an advantage. My my only point is Florida State beat uh, this comparative team an SEC team, by the way, right, by a little bit more than Alabama did. So no way, in no way can you use that comparative measure and say Florida State is less of a football team than Alabama is. In addition, who the hell, Alabama played Texas in their non-conference schedule, the only team of significance that Alabama played. And what happened in that game? Alabama lost at home in Tuscaloosa. Let's fast forward to Florida State. Florida State, two of their non-conference games were against the big bad SEC. Florida in a, a rivalry game at the end of the year, most recent, right? The, the, the last regular season game of the year. And LSU, one of the better teams in the SEC. And they beat both of them. What does Florida State have to do? Power five conference champions, undefeated. They play a non-conference schedule that includes LSU and Florida, and they win both of them. They have injuries to their starting quarterback and their backup quarterback, and they win a conference championship game with a third-string quarterback. They have a top five defense, and you don't choose them. Yes. That is a travesty, and that that – that committee should be sued by Florida State <laughs> University and the ACC conference. If the ACC conference had any guts, they would they would take this to court and say this is a breach of contract. Right. Uh, and to add on to that, uh, the ACC as a conference is actually up six to four versus the SEC. Right, with two of those wins being from Florida State themselves. So, you know, the SEC right. this year is, is a bit down from their historical yeah. standards, right? It feels like they're getting some benefit of the doubt from past years. And if you and you know, and if you listen to some of these national pundits who are supporting the choice of Alabama, you know what they're using? They're talking about the SEC's the best league. Uh, you know, Alabama has won so many national championships. And my point is, that's all in the past. Every year. The team is different. That's the beauty of college athletics. Every year you have a new team. Right. The, 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 the characteristics of that team, the talent on that team, the, the camaraderie, the uh, uh, chemistry of that team, the culture of that team, it's going to be different right. every well, single year. And to your point about them jumping from eight to four, what those people would say is that, well, they beat a number one Georgia team that was you know, considered – amongst right there with Ohio state, right. As the best all year and is the two time, you know, defending national champion and hasn't lost the game, you know, and however many, you know, years, two time right? national champion doesn't matter. Screw that. Right. It's not about this year. 
Right. So they're putting in, yes, this kind of added history of like, oh, well, they beat Georgia, you know, Georgia that has been so good for these past few years. But you're saying doesn't matter. Just focus on this year. Absolutely. The the historic stuff should never enter into that committee's conversation. They should be looking at this year. They should be looking at what the team has done in this year, because that's this team. What the team was last year or the year after that. Uh, uh, the previous years should not influence what they're deciding about this. And uh, this is, uh, so what it really boils down to is the power broker that is ESPN. Look at the ES, look at the ESPN domination of bowl games. They control so much of the broadcast and media rights of bowl games. And then during the regular season, who's their moneymaker? Yes, they have contracts with the ACC. Yes, they have contracts with the the Big 12. Uh, They don't have contracts with the Big 10 because they've stepped away from the Big 10 because they weren't willing to pony up. They have had a vendetta against the Big 10 ever since the Big 10 created the Big 10 network. When the Big 10 walked away from negotiations with them and said, we're going to start our own network, that changed the whole dynamic of of, uh, – media broadcasting of college football and ESPN has been trying to punish the big 10 ever since. And they have used their power and control to do that. And there's no way you can tell me that the talking heads that yak, yak, yak week after week after week on ESPN don't end up influencing that stuff in that uh, committee meeting. So they act like, Oh, we don't have anything to do with it. That's a bunch of crap. Okay. And, and this decision is going to end up having huge implications and I, I, I apologize, I can't remember the name of the author of the article you sent me, but he makes, an, he makes a point I didn't even fully grasp or consider about the fact that you have to keep in mind that before this season happened, in, the, in this most recent offseason, Florida State and Clemson were both um, uh, making public statements and comments from leaders within their universities expressing their dissatisfaction with the locked-in arrangement that they have uh, in the ACC for grant of rights. Okay. And, and if they could get out of that in some way, they might very well do that. And this is only going to accelerate the likelihood of that happening, which would destabilize another conference and gravitate even more power into the two conferences that are the SEC and the big 10 with the greatest and strongest conference still being the SEC because they're, the SEC is the, has got the greatest concentration of athletes who, who end up being the greatest football players. They have the, the greatest concentration in their footprint, and so they tend to keep their guys at home, and that allows them. That, that means they produce the most you know, uh, first-round draft choice, the most NFL players, blah, 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 blah. You just run the numbers, and those are all true statements, all true statements. That doesn't make this decision right, and it has nothing to do with this decision. This decision should have been about this year and these teams, and they screwed Florida State University. Right. So that article was written by Matt Brown at Extra Points. Um, okay. And it was a good article. And uh, one, because it should be stated right, the ACC was already in trouble before this football season even started, right? Because of the changes right. with the Big Ten, the collapse of the Pac-12, uh, and the fact that, yeah, they have this very long media rights deal um, that some of these teams are upset about. So, it you know, this is not creating the problem, but it is going to exacerbate it because the top exactly. four are all composed of teams that will next year be either in the SEC or the Big Ten. And even more strikingly, if you look at what the uh, – what the 12 team playoff would have been like if it was happening this year, which was originally proposed, right? Uh, basically 10 of the teams are from the sec or the big 10, you know, how they'll be constituted next year. The only two exceptions right. that are Florida state and Liberty, you know, the group of five, uh, champion. Right. So that is, that is the future reality, right? That then, and, and if you're the ACC, or the Big 12, you're looking at and saying, we, we got ourselves a problem, right? Because how are we going to, to address that? And, and the ACC first needs to you know, gather the wagons of their ACC members 
and fi- figure out a way that they can say, okay, guys, this is going to be our strategy. This is how we're going to uh, uh, bust the party of the SEC and the Big Ten. Because otherwise, uh, their futures as a conference, they may still be able to exist as a conference. That's, that doesn't mean their conference necessarily has to collapse unless individual institutions choose to do that. But they can say goodbye to a long-term competitiveness because the financial advantage that's going to be created by the SEC and the Big Ten schools is going to uh, create a, a disparity that just builds over time and leads to slow deterioration, I think, of a lot of the brands in the ACC or the Big 12 when compared to the Big 10 brands and the SEC brands. And that's just the nature of money. Yes. And and ESPN is a big, ESPN is is the four-letter word in the middle of all this. And it, it makes me hope and pray for the day that ESPN collapses under its own weight. <laughs> right. Well, yes, it, it was very clear that this all comes down to money at the end of the day. And it yes. was telling that on that show, you know, the ESPN has announcing it when they went to the analysts afterwards, there was only one guy on there who was telling the truth and saying that this is a travesty and all the rest were, you know, saying, yeah. no, no, Alabama deserved it. And I thought going, going the company line. Yep. Right. Well, and I thought this was a great observation uh, that was posted on Twitter. Uh, it says, uh, at uh, Greg McElroy got his orders this week. Last week, yep. he said, quote, we should not even entertain a conversation where FSU gets left out at 13 and 0, unquote. This week, he has Bama in over FSU. Greg, we appreciated you when you were being honest last week, but hate you turn into a coward this week. He was a complete coward. And Greg has been a guy that I really liked and was very objective, but he put his Alabama, he's a former Alabama quarterback, national champion, and he absolutely put put his Alabama hat, his SEESPN hat on, and just towed the line. And Booger, uh, Booger McFarlane, who was the one guy who was willing to say and object, who is also an SEC guy, I believe he played at Auburn, uh, but he was the only one that had the guts to say the truth. Now, maybe they all figured that all out ahead of time and said, Booger, you're going to be the one that gets to be the contrarian. And maybe this was all staged. And given that it's ESPN and the way they stage debate and stage all this crap, all their damn production is like that. It wouldn't shock me at all if none of those guys on that panel were telling what they really believed. I Who knows? It, it's also falsified and, and phony and BS at ESPN. It's a joke. It's a joke. And they led the sport that I love down this path that to its ultimate destruction. Uh, and this is, a, a, this is a, a shell of the sport that I grew up loving. Okay. And, and it's frustrating to me. And especially since, you know, the team that, that we support, Alex, Nebraska, has been wandering in the desert for 20 years because of a bunch of poor decisions made by leadership and administration and things like that. And we haven't gotten the right fit of a, of a coach that allows us to, to have a degree of success that we could be uh, happy with. Um, you know, it, it's frustrating to me because I've also seen all these things that affect the sport collectively at the same time that have been negative. And this is not, not a final thing. I love the sport and will continue to follow it and watch it and all that. And they have me, but, but it's harder for you, for example, my next generation who, <laughs> who probably would have had a, an even stronger pull to the sport if it wasn't for all this bullshit that has come on. Right. I also want to quickly highlight, uh, Robert Griffith, the third, right. Who has been a commentator for ESPN. Um, and I generally yeah. like his commentary. He's a funny guy and everything, but he is very pro FSU. And he says here, um, Florida state earned their spot in the CFP on the field with, and without Jordan Travis, their first team quarterback, you don't punish Absolutely. or diminish the work of 100-plus players and coaches because one player is not there on the field calling the shots. FSU always answered the bell this year, and the response to losing their QB was to play possessed on defense. It's an absolute travesty that they were excluded from the CFP. I totally 100% agree with him. And he's from the Big 12. Right. I mean, he played for Baylor. So it's not like he's even an ACC homer or something, right? I mean, it is. This is just 
horrible. And the college football playoff committee did themselves a huge disservice. And, and I love the remark in one of the articles I read that uh, our first hint that this was not going to go well is when the spokesperson and the leader of that 13-person committee w- goes by, as an adult male, goes by the name Boo. <laughs> That's a, I mean, you well, knew you were dealing with a bunch of SEC hicks when right. the, a guy named Boo right. is... I mean, an adult, a human, a guy that's 50 years old that actually calls himself Boo. All right. Well, I, I don't know about that lo- train of logic, but I did look, <laughs> you know, the committee, right, is a 13-person committee. They're all on the committee for three years, and there's a list publicly yeah. of who's currently on it, right? It includes five athletic directors from current, you know, current athletic yeah. directors from the five Power yeah. Five conferences plus then retired athletic directors, you know, retired coaches, some retired players, a couple like right. retired media. Um, yep. You know, so it, it it does, you know, with how they've you know put it together, it seems like it should have a good mix of people, you know, from a variety of backgrounds. And then they vote, right, yep. as a group on who would be the chair. So apparently they like this guy, even though his name was Boo, you know. <laughs> so, but the hidden factor, right, that we don't know because we're not in these closed door meetings, right, but where is the thumb on the scale of ESPN, you know, saying, well, right. we don't want a repeat of TCU versus Georgia from last year because that was our worst, you know, rated uh, national championship game in forever, you know, because they got crushed. And we want the Blue Bloods in there if we can get them, you know. Right, right. Well, and, and uh, but I don't I don't even think it was that it was about the money. Right. It was about the fact that uh, uh, they wanted to make sure that the sec was included in the party. Okay. And they wanted to make sure that, um, um, specifically, um, you know, uh, Alabama or Georgia were in that party. And if it means that the ACC gets screwed, even though ESPN's contract is with the ACC, this contract that ESPN knows is no longer legitimate uh, given the current media environment, okay, um, and uh, and everything like that, the uh, they're not letting them out of it, so that they could maybe re-establish some kind of a structure that would allow them to be successful and to rise to the level of the other major conferences. Nope, they're still under that contract, right? And that's ESPN. Thank you, ESPN. You're a great media partner. Right. You slimy dogs. And then even when you look at the other big rankings, right, the AP poll had Alabama ranked at fifth with Florida State at four. And the coaches poll actually had Florida State at three with then Texas Mm -hmm. and Alabama tied with the exact same points at four. But what would be the tiebreaker for that? The fact that Texas beat them, right? So basically both the AP and the coaches agree that it should have been the other arrangement of four. Right. And, And that's the thing. This debate, if there was going to be a debate, should have been between Texas and Alabama. Uh, Florida State, it wouldn't it it wouldn't have made me angry if they had made Florida State third. No, yeah, I think there was an argument for that. Absolutely, the fact that they put Florida State fifth is an absolute crime. Yes, and 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 just you know, and you're right. I think you might have mentioned to me off off air, Alex, that. You know, next year there's going to be 12 teams. Now you're going to be debating who's the 12th team. And no one's going to have the amount of anger and passion over 12 versus 13 versus 14th or whatever. That's not going to have the same level of implication as this fourth team does. Right. Right. Um, And so, uh, you know, if this was next year, Florida State would still be in, would still have their chance to, you know, play against, um, good opponents and be part of the chance to uh, to win the championship right, right. and well, this would be a non-issue and i the the whole sec camp you know that's been talking about this i will concede to them on one thing which is that they brought up that there was talk of having the 12 team playoff start this year right and it yep, was the yep. alliance between the big 10 the acc yep. and the pac 12 that voted that down and Correct. if we had it this year, FSU would be guaranteed to be in, right? 
So, you know, obviously that was playing into the, you know, power politics and conference realignment stuff of that time, you know, and I don't know what the rules of that 12 team playoff would have been, but you know, the fact that that Alliance so quickly broke down, right. And the big 10 cannibalized the PAC 12 and everything, you know, goes to show that maybe the ACC commissioner who decided that at the time wasn't being uh, farsighted. Right. That's true. Well, and of course the big 10 commissioner who made that decision and who was the real instigator of it. Right. Right. Um, left. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so he's not even in this thing. Uh, Kevin Warren, who was a disaster for the big 10 and you know, my feelings on that, but, but, and, and, but his resistance on that was because he felt that that 12 team playoff, as it was constructed when they were talking about it and pulling it forward that year, that earlier year, there were some issues that he still felt were not being addressed that would have provided more balance. He was concerned uh, about the rules that were going to be in place for the 12 team playoff um, to ensure that there was some uh, equity in how this was distributed and there wasn't sufficient equity there. And that's why those other te- those other conferences got together because it, otherwise it was going to be a, a stupid sec slash ESPN media, right? Dominant setup. And right. uh, I just hope that when they, when they go to get a media partner for that 12 team playoff, uh, they damn well better open that up to a bunch of people. And if they do, I really, really want, Fox Sports to make a, a an aggressive bid for that uh, uh, entity because if they could get it from ESPN and frankly ESPN doesn't have a hell whole hell of a lot of money to be going out and getting it because they're bleeding something fierce and as is their parent company I would love it if Fox is able to go get it right uh, it should be stated two things uh, one. Obviously, Florida State's third-string quarterback, right, this freshman kid, did terrible in the Louisville game, right? Everybody could see that. Right. But it was also known that the second-string guy who played in the Florida game, right, and did better and won that game for them would have been their starter in uh, the playoff because his injury was not serious, right? He would have been back. Um, Right. So, you know, the people that are pointing to – that ugly Louisville game and saying, Oh, we don't want that. Well, you wouldn't have gotten that. And they would have had a whole month, you know, for him to, you know, practice more and they could have changed their game plan around this kid, you know? And so who knows what would have happened. And to add to that, uh, the 2014 Ohio state team, right. Which you brought before you recall that they lost their first string quarterback earlier in the year, then played the second string guy until he got hurt in the game against Michigan. Right. So they brought in the third string guy in the Michigan game. And then yep. he, you and then know, in the conference championship, right. Game. right. And then in the conference championship game, which I believe was against Wisconsin, they won in a dominant fashion. I want to say like 50 to nothing yep. or something like that. Right. Um, it was, well, yeah, it wasn't nothing, but yeah, it was a big, huge victory. Yeah. Right. And so there, there's a situation where, you know, a third string quarterback came in and it, I believe they were a one loss team and, you know, the committee put them in over, you know, other one loss teams. Uh, but that was in the year before the big 12 had a championship game, right? So you had both Baylor and TCU sitting yep. with one loss in the big 12. Um, and kind of the, the message from that year was, Hey, big 12, get a conference championship game. If you don't want this to happen again. So obviously right. it was a different situation this year, but the point is, is that they weren't being nearly this, you know, uh, holier than thou about this, uh, injury rule back then. Right, exactly. Well, and here's the other thing. In in that year with Ohio State, the quarterback threw the ball 12 times. Right, in that Wisconsin time, game. In that Wisconsin game, uh, that uh, Ohio State-Wisconsin game. Right. So the, the game that would have, the, the only game they would have been able to see, the only full game that that player played and started in, he threw the ball 12 times. Right. And he handed the ball off to Ezekiel Elliott, right, who had a Elliott, great game right. and was running yes. up and down the field. So, and sure. And they had a great defense. Florida State has had a good running back, right, in that Louisville game, uh, but they didn't have a, you know, game changer like Ezekiel Elliott, right? So is that all you needed? Right. You know, and then they would have scored right. 40 points and then you would have been okay with it? You know, it's just so subjective. It, it, is, it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Yes. And here's another here's another uh, thing that has to do with this year. Michigan 
Okay. Michigan's second string quarterback hasn't seen a lot of playing time. And in talking with my Michigan friends, they will fully admit that like many colleges now in this NIL transfer portal era, having depth in your quarterback room is virtually impossible to do, even for the Blue Bloods. And Michigan will acknowledge that there's a huge drop-off from their first-teamer to their second-teamer. And if, if, if J.J., uh, Michigan starter, were to get hurt or would have gotten hurt, okay, their backup wouldn't have done very well, comparatively speaking, right? Okay, so would they have kept Michigan out if Michigan had still beaten Iowa with a backup quarterback? Right. Knowing that JJ wasn't going to be back, there's no way, there's no way they keep them out. Right. So this has to do with the fact that Florida State is in the ACC, okay, and more specifically, Alabama is in the SEC. This is a this is a ESPN SEC bias BS that should never have happened. And I would love it if Florida State seriously considers some kind of legal action to challenge whether that committee was negligent in their responsibilities. Yeah, I don't know about legal action, but I did see that like Florida legislators are already, you know, making a fuss about it and saying that they're going to, you know, propose something to combat it. I don't know what that would be. Um, Well, but to your point, um, you know, just imagine the, the shoe is on the other foot, right? Alabama is undefeated, won the SEC championship game, but they did it in an ugly fashion and they're on their third string quarterback, you know, or whatever, or their second right. string guy, whatever, who's significantly worse. And Florida State's the one with one loss, you know, coming out of the ACC. Do you think that they say, oh, well, we know that Alabama's undefeated and, you know, managed to overcome things, but they lost their first string guy, so we're not putting them in. There's no exactly. way in hell they ever <laughs> That's do that. exactly right. No That's a way. great point. No That's way. That's a great point. That's a great point, Alex. I mean, flip that around and and present that scenario and tell me with a straight face. Yeah, that's a great point. Wow. All right. So final topic here to round this little rant up is um, (laughs) focusing on, right, the 12-team playoff, right? We're having that next year, which has uh, the four, right, now the four main power, well, I should say technically it is still power five because the Pac-12 isn't dead, but we still need to figure out, you know, what Oregon State and Washington State are going to do about that. Um, well, and and they but but they uh, they are no longer guaranteed. Right. Because there were some rules about, uh, you know, the power five had to remain had okay. to have a certain number of of teams within your conference to be able to maintain your credibility as a power five. And um, that has been breached by the Pac-12 at this point because they lost so many. So we have basically four guaranteed champions from the Power Four and then two champions. The other two champions are the highest ranked from the rest of college football, which gets you to six. And then the other six are based on the six other highest ranked teams from that playoff committee. So like you say, basically at large, right? So the, the debates for next year will be about, you know, that 11, 12, 13 kind of zone, right? Which you're going to be dealing with teams with one or two losses and which will still be contentious. And there will still be this sec bias that we need to fight against, but it won't be, you know, as obviously consequential and, you know, you have the chance you'll have somebody from your conference in there who has the chance to prove it on the field. Right. And that kind of right. thing. But where the debate's going to be is when you have these these talking heads and the power of ESPN, you know, chirping and setting the agenda on conversation and what is what is uh, the collective conscience of the sporting community that which they seem to be able to portray that they represent and say, well, obviously, you know, a you know, uh, ten and two. Old Miss from the SEC is clearly more deserving than a 10 and 2 for the sake of my conversation, Nebraska out of the Big Ten. <laughs> okay. And and we're trying to decide which one of those two teams is gonna get one of those last spots. Or more likely, 
they're going to they're going to have two or three teams that are 10 and 2 and 9 and 3 and and next thing you know you've got five or four teams from the uh, from the SEC getting in before the 10 and 2 Nebraska gets in because well Nebraska only played UCLA and you know um uh, Wisconsin, you know, and they were able to avoid in their, in their, uh, this year's schedule, they didn't have to play Ohio state. They didn't have to play Michigan. They didn't have to play Washington or Oregon. You know, that just happened that that's how it worked out that we didn't have to play those. So they're, they'll come up with reasons why our 10 and two isn't as good as an sec 10 and two. Right. And, and, and they're going to use these same arguments that they're using to justify Alabama today. Right. And so basically I'm, I'm look, I went and looked at what like the mission statement and the principles of this college football committee are right when it was founded in like 2012, you yep. know, so we're going to go over that real quick and just basically say now is the moment, right? Because there's so much anger at the college football playoff. What sort of reforms could be implemented to, you know, keep keep the overall structure. We don't want to blow up the whole thing, but how can we reform it to make it more fair? Cause clearly it's not working as it is now. So right. their mission, the selection committee's task will be to select the best teams, rank the teams for inclusion, in the playoff and selected other bowl games, and then assign the teams to sites. So it should be noted. It does say best teams, not most deserving or anything like that. Right. Then it says for principles, the selection committee will select the teams using a process that distinguishes among otherwise comparable teams by considering conference championships, one strength of schedule, head to head competition, comparative outcomes of common opponents, and then other relevant factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance. So, to their credit, it's right there from the very beginning that this is yep. one of the factors. But they just made it such a big deal as if this uh, Jordan yeah. Travis kid, you know, should be winning the Heisman, right? Because he's so important. They lost him. It's like, oh, this is over. Their season's dead, you know? Right, right. And they didn't give the the replacements. I mean, the the, the one replacement played one game and then got hurt. And then the other kid played one game, this last game, and won a conference championship game as the quarterback. Now, did he play well? No, he didn't. But the team did. The team won the football game. Exactly. Right? The other thing is they're saying Florida State's strength of schedule was like 55th and Alabama's was, I don't know, 5th or 8th or 10th or whatever. If you – the strength of schedule thing – is the element of, of that listing that I think needs to be addressed because how they define strength of schedule is a crock. It's a bunch of bullshit. So to that point, I have the numbers here. Uh, you're right. Alabama was five and Florida state was 55, but then in strength of record, which is a stat I had to familiar myself with, which reflects uh, the chance that an average top 25 team would have this team's record or better given that their schedule. It's basically saying, would an average top 25 team have this same schedule? And on that right. metric, Florida State is above Alabama at three, while Alabama's at four. Okay. And, and, and here's the thing with strength of schedule. It looks at uh, win-loss records and maybe win-loss records of the teams that the teams play. Right? They go one iteration. But it's all a bunch of numbers. There's no eye test in there. It's a number. It's just a bunch of data, and then they create a strength of schedule net. And I can tell you, I could look over in any year, not just this year, in any given year, and look at a team that that is claimed to have a, a top 10 strength of schedule. And then when you really break down their, their uh, uh, strength of schedule and how they got that top 10 ranking, they got it because they played two teams in non-conference that – ended up having 10 win seasons or one of them, maybe 11 win season in a lesser conference. And they're getting a bunch of strength of of schedule points for the fact that that team had this exceptional year in a group of five conference. And as a result is ranked in the top 25 and, you know, has all these great statistical numbers and stuff. So that team's a good team. Don't get me wrong. But if they were in a major conference, if they were in a, 
uh, Power Five conference, they probably would have likely been a middle of the pack team. Yes. And they wouldn't have been giving you those strength of schedule data points. And it's it's like NBA or it's like college basketball teams uh, basically scheduling to the RPI, which is one of the critical uh, strength of schedule factors that are used in selecting NCAA tournament basketball and uh, for something that's right similar uh, and, and relevant right now. The same thing plays out in, in volleyball, women's volleyball, which we follow here at, at, at the podcast, that also uses RPI. And it's, it's, a, it's a broken system. It is incomplete and is simply a bad measure used by itself. It should be used as a, as a minor input, not a major input. And yet in basketball and in, and in uh, volleyball, it's almost followed to the T. And in football, strength of schedule, same thing. Right. Way too much weight given to strength of schedule. Well, and I, I just thought of a reform as we're thinking about next year. Uh, we say to the SEC, the committee will no longer uh, use this particular strength of schedule algorithm or whatever, however they calculate it. We will no longer look at that. We will just look at strength of record and these other stats until the SEC plays nine conference games instead of eight that's Bingo. my reform that i love that i love that and not only nine conference games but we're also going to look at the non-conference games you play how many do you play uh away from your stadium how many do you play uh out of your region how often do you go out of your region like alabama never plays a game okay uh, out of the South, right? They're gonna they're gonna play they're gonna play Wisconsin at Wisconsin, but again they're gonna play them in like August, right? When when Wisconsin, um, uh, the heat is is what it is, right? That's not gonna be a negative thing. But my point is, is Alabama never plays anybody at a home uh, at their home stadium in the non-conference schedule early in the year. Right. They don't do it. Uh, during most, almost all of Nick Saban's history, they never did it. They never leave the South. Right. So they, they, it's, it's it, where, where it's very common for Michigan to go play uh, Washington. They've done that n- numerous times. Or U, U, UCLA or, or somebody else out West where they are traveling multiple time zones and they're going way out of their comfort zone. Or Nebraska going down and yeah. playing Auburn at Auburn in the heat of the yeah. of the season or going and playing Colorado when Colorado's good uh, at altitude right or BYU at altitude i mean those are the kinds of non-conference games that can have a huge impact on your season Alabama and other powerful SEC teams never do it Right. Well, and I suppose, you know, uh, we don't necessarily want this, but one benefit if the ACC did collapse and a bunch of those teams joined the Big Ten and the SEC would be that Alabama would kind of be forced to do that because now they'd have some teams to the north that they'd have to play in their, you know, conference. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And then. Um, well, I, I love your I love your modification, though. That's a great right. idea. Well, the other one that came to mind to me is, you know, currently, right, it's 13 people, which seems fine, and they're in there for three years. Maybe we need to reduce that to two years or one and just keep more shuffling because I do sort of wonder, you know, if ESPN is really working behind the scenes, right, and, uh, you know, trying right. to put their thumb on the scale and playing the politics game within that committee Maybe, you know, people get too entrenched, you know, even in a three-year period. Um, so maybe we need to shorten it. Well, I, I, and I think they do do this where, uh, I don't know. I, I think three years is uh, acceptably short. Uh, I think they do rotate one-third of that committee yes. every year. So, so you know, one-third of them are in their third year. One-third of them are in their second year. One-third of them are in their first year. And then it progresses through so that you've always got some institutional knowledge of the process and all that. And it's better to have a leader and you have more consistency of how you approach things because of that continuity. So I get where, where that makes sense. Okay. And that makes logical sense, but I think that there also should be some kind of an, an oversight group 
that observes how they make decisions, that is that provides a report of critique that is transparent and shared right. with the, the world to say, these are the things we think are at risk here because uh, uh, here are some risks of groupthink. Here are some risks of you guys getting tied into, you know, uh, history in a way that wouldn't achieve our goals of getting the four best teams or now the 12 best teams. And, you know, it's not the, uh, you know, the, to me, best, most deserving and, uh, most talented are three different ways, uh, or different things. There are three different things. Okay. And I don't think Alabama's the best. I don't think it's record says it's the best. It's one of the four right. best. It's one of the four most talented. There's no doubt. It's one of the four most talented, but it's not one of the four best. And it's certainly not one of the four most deserving. Yeah. Well, to, to that point, a lot of people have been saying, well, if you're just going to say winning conference championship games and being undefeated doesn't matter, it's about being the best. Well, then Alabama right. shouldn't be in because Ohio State, by all these metrics and everything, is exactly. statistically better. Yeah. And the only thing that Ohio State doesn't have is they're not conference champion. Right. And and since when does conference championship mean anything? Because you've you've put Alabama in and and, and ignored uh, power five conference champions before in the past. Exactly. That can't be one of the big factors. And you're right. That's a very good argument that Ohio state is more deserving than Alabama. If you're wanting to put the four best teams in. Right. Cause you know, the committee, right. It, this playoff has existed for about 10 years now, you know, and it's had its fair share of controversies, you know, like we talked about Ohio state getting in in 2014. And like you say, Alabama sneaking into number four that one year when they weren't the conference right. champion, which we've all talked about, but this one is definitely on a far bigger magnitude of yeah. failure and, you know, betrayal, I think for yes. a lot of people with college football betrayal yeah, and betrayal is a good word. I'm looking right here once again, from the playoff website of what this committee, right? Cause we're changing from the BCS uh, numbers based system to a human system. So this is what it was supposed to achieve. It says nuanced mathematical formulas, ignore some teams who deserve to be selected. As we expand from two teams to four teams, we want to establish a human selection committee that will one, be provided a clear set of guidelines. Two, we'll be expected to take the facts of each case and specifically apply the guidelines. And three, we'll be led by a chair who will be expected to explain publicly the selection committee's decisions. I would say, okay, with one and three, okay, those have both happened. There are clear guidelines and the chair does explain things publicly. But then the two, which is we'll be expected to take the facts of each case and specifically apply the guidelines. I think we can look at the past record and see that they've been very consistent about which guidelines they emphasize in any particular year. Right. And, and, and this, this, this what if injury scenario has never been a priority. No. In 10 years of doing this, it's never been on that list. It, it was there. Uh, for some extreme case. And are you telling me this is that extreme case? Because if you are, I think that's a crock. That's another <laughs> great argument. And the Ohio State argument you brought up is another great argument. And interesting that they use the term deserving in that description. Is that also on the, uh, the uh, where did you get that phrase that you right. just read? Right. Well, so admittedly, yeah, that deserving phrase is not in the principles that they list, that I listed earlier, but it is, it is on that same page. There's a couple paragraphs explaining why they do it. Like they say, right. you know, uh, although polls are well intended, they have not expressed these values, particularly at the margins where teams that have won head to head competition and championships are sometimes ranked behind non championship teams and teams that have lost in head to head competition. Right. Both right. of which, you know, apply to Alabama, right? Some people are arguing that even though exactly. Texas beat them, they should be in. And then some people are arguing that when Alabama lost the conference championship or wasn't in the conference championship game at all, then they mm -hmm. should still be mm -hmm. in. And then they were <laughs> right. Exactly. So, yeah. so, so th this thing has been manipulated to, to put Alabama in there because see again, um, 
this wasn't about getting the best team in. It's been about getting the most talented team in and then allowing them to rise to the occasion and potentially win the championship because that led to more money and more revenue for not only that, that conference, but that, that media partner. I'm done with the ESPN thing. This is so blatantly an ESPN money grab and, and manipulation, and it's horrible for the sport. <laughs> there we go. But I, I, love, I love your suggestion. I, I love your suggestion about requiring them to get match up with the other power conferences with nine conference games. And, uh, and, and I, I would say something with regard to, uh, how you schedule non-conference games and that you're, we're going to give credit in, um, whatever strength of, what is it? Strength of record. Yes. Um, strength of record. I don't know enough about that. I'd have to research that a little bit more, but I I would basically say that we're not just going to look at what, what did, what did your other teams that you played? What were their, what were their records? I'm going to look at what conference they're in, uh, whether they played you at home or away, and how far did you have to travel? Did you have to go uh, through time zones? I mean, I would go way more sophisticated if I'm going to use that as an actual measurement that is going to have value and significance in the in the data that the that the selection committee uses. And here's the other thing I would say about them being willing to state publicly. You know, they get interviewed for less than 10 minutes, you know, by, by ESPN. And then they have little five or 10 minute snippets on media outlets all over the country that are all kissing this guy's ass. Okay. Because they don't want to piss him off because they want him to come on the next year. Okay. And so no one scrutiny, you know, think about it. There's outrage here that more than 50% are not happy with this. How is it that we aren't having a, a, a one hour conference uh, that's broadcast on ESPN or on Fox sports where, where this guy is grilled about all this stuff for an hour and, and explain that, you know, pull out all these, all these fans comments and stuff and just browbeat them for an hour about why didn't you do this? How come you didn't consider this? What about this? What about that? And just beat the hell out of the guy verbally for, <laughs> for, and, and, and tell, and make him justify all that and, and, and get him to where he realizes there's so many inconsistencies here. You guys messed up and let him know in no uncertain terms, they screwed up. Right. Well, maybe, uh, you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, the whole three year thing. Uh, and I don't know what the rule is for the chair of the committee specifically, but maybe it's a rule, right, that you can only be chair for one year. Right. So then you aren't worried about pissing off that particular guy. Right. right. If you grill him a bit, you know, when you get yeah. it, your time with him or something like that. Yeah. Well, they 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 vote on a on a chair every year, uh, a different chair, I think. So it might change, but there might be the possibility where maybe somebody would be it for two years. I don't know, but I don't remember enough. I, you know what I mean? Right. And also to your point about that oversight committee, you know, that you proposed, I yeah. saw some comments, you know, saying that part of this whole thing is like about strength of schedule and everything. Well, who decides the strength of schedule and like where teams are ranked this same committee and people have brought up, you know, the idea that it's like a long game, you know, that like, Oh, well they, you know, they put Missouri overranked compared to where the AP poll and the coaches poll put them. Right. So then when Alabama beats Missouri, it seems like a bigger win maybe than it really is. Now I don't know how much I buy into that, Specifically, because, you know, nobody can foresee how the college football season is going to play out from the beginning. But if we are going with the presumption that they have an SEC bias, then it kind of confirms the bias by ranking them a little bit higher. Strength of schedule has a built-in bias. And most of these strength of schedule systems are fairly mundane and, and not very sophisticated and do not take into consideration a lot of nuance that has a huge impact on the results of college football games, like traveling time zones. Right. I guarantee you there's no strength of schedule system that's looking at where are these teams willing to travel to to play non-conference games and what time of year and in what weather conditions and things of that nature. And if they're not 
considering those very significant elements that influence how a team looks, how powerful a team looks, whether a, 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 a team can look ugly on a game because they had to play Nebraska and it's always freaking windy as hell in Nebraska and they couldn't throw. Right. So then they end up in a tight game with Nebraska when, when they should have beat us by 25 points and they only beat us by five. Right. Whatever. So uh, strength of schedule is so nebulous and should, should be of very little value to that group unless it's, it's one data point among eight or 10 or 12 data points. And it's, and it's just a minor thing. I'll, we'll try to make this last point. It is interesting because yeah. we've emphasized, you know, being conference champion and having good strength of schedule, specifically because, right, the SEC, you know, uh, schedules patty cakes in their non-conference and plays four of them, you know, versus three and all that. Uh, so we've been never been punished for it. Right. We've been proponents of, you know, saying that you should schedule tough games in your non-conference. And I think if you look in the past 10 years, you have seen teams in general uh, scheduled some tough, at least one, you know, tough game in their non-conference specifically to boost their strength of schedule in the eyes of the committee. Um, so I think, you know, that has been like partially a success, but clearly right. there's something wrong with the calculation. If we're getting that, you know, Alabama's 55 and FSU is five, right? Like there's something wrong there. They're able to game the system. And again, because of the ESPN, uh, SEC bias, uh, any SEC team is going to have a higher strength of schedule because they historically always have more teams in the top 25 than any other conference. Now, that was not true this year. Okay. Right. The, the Pac 12, ironically, the one that was dying was this team that had like six or seven conference teams that were all ranked in the top 25. Okay. But again, S uh, the strength of schedules don't often look at the AP or the coaches poll, that's not where they get their top 25. Their top 25 is, is based on teams and their win, win loss records. So if you play a Fresno state who's in the mountain West and they're the best team in the mountain West and they win 10 games, you get all kinds of strength of schedules credit for having beaten uh, Fresno state in the non-conference. Right. Right. Um, where, the fact is, is that if Fresno State was in the Pac-12, they would have been, you know, the may, likely the sixth best. Even though they're very good, they would have likely ended up being the sixth best or the fifth best uh, Pac-12 team if they had had to actually play a Pac-12 conference schedule. But but because they're playing in the MAC or the Mountain West, rather, all of a sudden they're a ten-win team and they're regarded as this really good team. Right. And that's what happens with strength of schedule. It's too simplified. That is a data point that needs to be way more uh, sophisticated and nuanced, or they need to come up with other factors that are nuanced and then combine that with the strength of schedule to arrive at a conclusion about what this team actually did in terms of who they played and how they performed during that. All right. Well, and so I'm going to wrap out this uh, yeah. ranty section of our podcast here uh, by, uh, you know, taking advantage of our current explicit rating and saying, uh, fuck you, Boo Corrigan. You've killed <laughs> the reputation of the College Football Playoff Committee. And I hope yes. that if Florida State beats Georgia, they declare themselves the national champions and are celebrated as such. There you go. Amen. <laughs> All right. So we hope you all enjoyed listening to that one. That's going to be one that will be replayed for some time, I'm sure. Uh, so this will not be the last time we talk about all this uh, playoff stuff, but we'll see how it all plays out. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. The worst case scenario, of course, being that Alabama wins another national championship. We want to avoid that at oh. all costs. Well, no, no, no. That's very likely to happen. And here's why I say that. They now get to play Michigan, right, in the first uh, the 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 semifinal game, and frankly, they're a they're a bad match matchup for Michigan. Of the other three teams in the playoff, Alabama is the worst matchup for Michigan. And then, in addition, you don't think Alabama will rock the world 
if they get a chance to revenge their one loss against Texas in the championship game, right? Alabama would just be hair on fire for that game. So <laughs> this sets up beautifully for Alabama. I mean, beautifully. <laughs> Nick always gets what he wants in the end. Well, he is he is licking his chops, baby. He's like, <laughs> we're gonna make this thing happen. This is gonna be the most uh, uh, you know enjoyable uh, national championship I've ever had. There you go. Saint Nick gets what he wants for Christmas this year. Yeah, Saint Nick. No, I would call Satan Nick. <laughs> Nick Satan. That's what I heard somebody calling him on a YouTube video. Oh, today. I, I call him that. I call him that all the time. Well, no, no. I mean Nick the Saint. Satan. The Saint Nick thing. They were joking about him oh, that way. Oh, Saint Nick. No, no. I call him Nick Satan. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Well, if you guys want to write in, I'm sure, you know, feelings are hot on this one all over college football. So we'd love to hear your comments. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. If you search for College Football Throwdown, you can leave me a rating or review there or a comment. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feelings. So thank you all for listening, and thank you, Dad, for joining me for this episode. And forever and always, Go Big Red. Go Big Red. <laughs>